Hello, welcome to the next episode of Chef Edge Podcast, yeah. where we are discovering Chetan's new venture into Brazil, where he's, well, Absolutely. I think uh, the past few podcasts you've been there, but now you've just moved into your new mansion. By the looks of it. <laughs> I would say. Um, it's a nice I mean, space. we can hear the echo. <laughs> That's really bad, actually, for the audio for a podcast. Danny, our editor, has his work cut out for him. <laughs> we figured that out. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's a big atrium. I've never lived in space this big. Um, it should be a fun time. My favorite thing about it is the garden, mm. which I get to execute my yeah, dream. You said of. you were growing crops. Exactly. I, when I was a kid, I used to like um, growing things. And a little mm. story here. Uh, I, I used to, so we did biology together, right? And that comes from somewhere. Um, and so, as far as I remember. So, <laughs> quick, it's a quick few years. Um, the, so, I used to like, for example, we had a little conservatory uh, in the UK called Cold Place. And I used to mm. have, get different kettles that we had in the house. And, uh, Two, I think it was two kettles. And I used to fill them up with water and then switch them on. And then at, in those days, you didn't have the function where if the kettle got to a certain temperature, it just auto-switched off. So you just keep it boiling and it'll just produce loads and loads of steam. And I could develop humidity oh, yeah, yeah. inside this conservatory and pretend I was in the tropics. Now I can actually, I'm actually 10 degrees south of the equator. This is the tropics. And I'm executing the dream of like tropical agriculture. Which is fun because um, at what at yeah. what age were you doing this in uh, in your conservatory <laughs> in the UK? Uh, um, <laughs> I must have been like twelve or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's 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 very fascinating. <laughs> and, yeah, that's cool though. Yeah, so um, spend the whole day eight hours digging holes in the garden uh, in the heat. I think I have heat stroke now, mild heat stroke. <laughs> and uh, but yeah, seed seeds are in the ground. So here, three what months, are you we're talking about a harvest. Um, so basically, the main things right now are just stuff that I think is is hard to find organic. And so it's like you know, ladyfingers, um, okra, binda. Okra, yeah. Yeah. So those are really good vegetable, convenient vegetable, and um, and and yeah, you know, it's, yeah, it's, just, mm. it's, good, it's good to get them organic because you eat them with the skin on, right? And so the pesticides take mm. the skin. A cabbage, um, which is a good one. There'll be different types of chili because I can now grow as many chilies as I can think of outdoors. Because yeah, I mean, with the climate's there, so it's going to be a Mexican variety, uh, yellow Trinidad scorpion. Um, Green, well, cayenne, but I'm going to pick them when they're green, and a couple other varieties um, of, of chilies, tomatoes, uh, passion fruits, melons. Oh, wow. Uh, oh, my God. Oh, that sounds <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Yes. So you're going to have a, a nice little, a little garden that you can wander into and just like pick food here and there. Exactly. Yeah. I hope, you know, like a nice juicy melon, a pumpkin. Yeah, exactly. Like whenever you want, you want passion fruit juice. Yeah, we'll just go to the garden, mm. pick them up. Wow. Uh, you know, 
that's, that's, that's the idea. It should be really productive, you know. Um, should be really productive. But yeah. we'll see because, you know, the other side of tropical agriculture is all the wildlife that comes and <laughs> wants to eat everything mm. as well. That's <laughs> true. You said uh, you've seen uh, already a, quite a bit of uh, wildlife coming into your garden. Is yeah. it uh, mainly just birds and stuff? Have you seen anything uh, like a bit larger, like any mammals wandering in that, that you've seen and just being like, oh my God, what is that? Or I know what that is, but what is that doing in my garden? This <laughs> um, <laughs> is the first thing that you said, and I haven't seen this, but it's a big rat because I know that they exist <laughs> in this part of the world as well. Uh, do not want to see one of those. No, I mean, so this, this, this space, this house, has um, large walls all around it. So pretty much nothing really comes in and out like that. Um, apart from, yeah, birds, which you can fly over. And I've seen like six, seven different kinds of birds, really cool ones. And a couple of different kinds of like lizard um, as well. Uh, some... Some some quite animal like this, like maybe eight inches or something, or like mm. or a foot. No, that's not like a foot. Yeah, like depends how this is like that. Um, birds though, they they've been called. There's this tree next to the house, and you know, I mean parrots. This one tree has like six, seven different kinds of birds. Yeah. Uh. You said you said the uh, large rats. Actually, you know, Japan. That reminds me. Japan actually has this problem of uh, there's an introduced species of kind of like a water rat, which is really large. It's almost like looks like a capybara, uh, called Myocasta coipus. Um, common name Nutria or something. Okay. Um, I'm just looking up at the moment. But you get them in some waterways in Japan even, and they're an invasive species. I'm not sure if it's um, wow. the same thing that comes from... Um, um, but, yeah, I mean, is it, it... When you say large rats, is it just like a normal rat that just got really big, or is it a specific type of kind of like hmm. large rat species that looks like a capybara? Well, I'm not sure if this is what the viewers. <laughs> of course, they, of course they want this. I want to know about Brazilian rat mm. species. I'm about to Google it. Um, mm. uh, no, because I I had no idea that that you got those in Japan, but the, the, the things that look like capybaras and they're just like in the waterway and they're not everywhere. I haven't seen one before, but. Um, they're an invasive species, and I don't know. Maybe you're getting those in your garden, like wandering around or something like that. Uh, I, they don't look like they don't look like you know rats that you see in the city or anything like that. They're kind of like a bit more. They've got a bigger head. The water rat, right. cute looking. Yeah, well, yeah. What I just saw, the water rat looks like a like like a yeah like like not so evil like a normal rat. Looks more like a mm. vole. Yeah, I know a vole, but it, it has. Has the kind of maybe maybe a beaverish quality to it, um, mm, yeah. You know something noble. <laughs> uh, there's a, a. By the way, I haven't seen <coughs> I haven't seen a rat in, in my in my garden. I, I don't I don't think I want to. I don't I don't think we mm, should either okay, because yeah. we, we keep the we have to keep probably for this reason all of the trash in a special place that's not next to the house. Um, Mm. probably for exactly this reason but there's one i just found called um 
hollow chylus residences and it's very cute mm. little mouse mm. really. uh, yeah <laughs> so okay yeah um so yeah so yeah there's, there's some precautions like that that we have to take um, but okay but yeah i don't i don't i don't expect to, to see rats in my backyard i hope not really. yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> so is that um is that the kind of the biggest difference between uh Colombia. What what is the biggest difference between Colombia and Brazil? Would you say in terms of just everyday living? Everyday. Is it completely different or quite similar? Yeah, I mean, I guess the comparison is between Bogota and Brasilia, because they're the two mm. places that I lived, right? So, because Colombia has a lot of mm. different vibes. Okay, so so you're you, you're living in Brasilia right now, which is living in the capital, capital Brasilia. Brazil. And Bogota, so, yeah, that's actually a really good question. So in some ways, it's the exact, it's the absolute opposite. Like, you know, you have hmm. Bogota's up in the Andes, 2,000 meters of altitude, 2,700 meters of altitude, mountains all around. It's cool because of that altitude. Um, big city, seven, eight, nine million, something like that, including the, uh, uh, the, 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 the towns on the edge, you know, the metropolitan area. Um, lots unplanned, Bogota's unplanned. Uh, so there's a bit of it that was planned, but the rest of it's not planned. So, so you mm-hmm. know, it's, it's, this, it's hard to navigate. There's traffic jams everywhere. On the other hand, Brasilia is in a flat savanna. Uh, it's still 1,000 mm-hmm. meters of altitude, but trust me, like the, the weather is it's hot every day. Um, 30, 30 mm. to 34 degrees every day. It's not green. And it's, yeah. You, you said it's a planned, it's the and largest planned? Yes, yeah, the first planned city in, in the world, oh. fully planned city. Um, and it's also called a failed project. And maybe I can shed some light here because I find that it's, it's, it's not a failed project. In the, in the actual city itself. So, Brasilia is, so it was in the 1950s. The, the capital moved from Rio um, mm-hmm. to Brasilia. Uh, and let me just double check that it was founded in 19. Like, it actually moved, it wasn't just being built. So, mm. um, what I'm seeing here. And I think I remember uh, someone saying, um, I think it's probably you telling me that the reason why it moved, or it might have been my Brazilian friend, that. It was because of uh, fear of attack of some sort, right? Oh, I didn't. Right, I don't think I told you that. But it's an interesting point. Yeah, it makes sense. Like, so um, it, it makes so uh, that speaks to the location, right? So, 1960, by the way, it was inaugurated. So it's been built in the 1950s. Um, inaugurated 1960 as the capital. Yeah, it's in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> it's like mm-hmm. it's like in the middle of a savannah, in the middle of the country, it's to get from here to Rio, which is the old capital, it's 48 hours driving at least. And to, to anywhere, you want to go to anywhere from here that you would have heard of, it's at least two days driving, a few hours flight. So it's truly in the middle. So if you, if the, the idea of it being um, a tactic to avoid attack, because it's hard for people to get here, um, makes some sense um okay yeah uh also you know i think i think it's just a blank canvas 
know, this is a very artistic city. Um, in the 1950s, mm. they had a lot of great architects, Brazilian architects, uh, imagine the city. It's, 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 it's modernist architecture, really wild, wacky things everywhere. Um, in fact, UN gave the city whole old, old town in the 1960s, uh, UNESCO status. Um, when you drive into the center, it is unlike anywhere else. And one, one of the, one of the features is it's an architectural. So this, I, I had to pick, I, I learned this just to explain the city uh, to myself. So there's a, there's two concepts mm-hmm. in architecture called uh, ground and, oh, damn it, I forgot. It. Ground and, um, and feature. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, feature and ground. Well, basically, the, 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 the concept is right figure and ground, figure and ground, right? So, figure is a building and the mm-hmm. ground is space between. Typically, in, in unplanned cities, the, the buildings get the, the precedence, they're the point, and then the space in between is this is kind of like an afterthought, right? Um, so mm-hmm. what happens when, when you have a nice piece of architecture in a city like London or Rome? You actually end up having to find weird angles to take the photo to try and catch the whole scene or the building. And I think you've all mm-hmm. experienced this, right? You know, New York, you have to mm-hmm. like really kind of sit at a weird angle to catch the whole Empire State Building and so on. Here, it's thought through so that every building, there's enough ground for you to be able to see the whole piece of architecture from wherever you're standing. Um, Mm, so architecturally and, 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 and the architects were given basically free reign um, to to what well, feels like free reign to just create these really it's, it's concrete design so for us nowadays it's concrete doesn't feel modern concrete frankly feels like a Soviet thing like so something that yeah. kind of like feels like depressing um, yeah. but so initially that was my reaction but then as time's gone on, I've kind of begun to see, like, this is actually quite phenomenal. Uh, very modern, funky, weird shapes, weird, almost like gravity-defying shapes everywhere of buildings. And it's like, yeah, there is nowhere else in the world like this. So, so architecturally, it's, it's, it's a bit of fun. Um, and with all that ground, they were able to design the cities, the planning of the city in such a way that there would be no traffic jams and there aren't traffic jams and that you would um you know have a certain where where it gets a bit kind of i guess socialist is that Hmm. the city was designed okay okay so, so so before i get into that side of it um it's something else to say about the shape of the city which tells you again, it speaks to this artistic element, right? So the city's built in the shape of a plane on purpose, mm. right? And it's represent Brazil okay. taking off, right? It's, the whole idea was that Brazil finds its own identity um, that isn't dependent on like, you know, drawing from Portugal or any of those inspirations. It's its own inspiration. And, and so Brazil taking off, the city's designed in the shape of the plane. All the monuments that I was just talking about, are in the chassis of the plane, where, where the islands, where you'd be sitting. And then in the wings mm-hmm. is where Asanmochi Asasu su, um, is where you'll be um, living, right? And yeah. and and uh, so 
those were living quarters. Now, those living quarters were, are divided up into what's called super blocks. And then this is all organized. So it's like every eight super blocks has a doctor surgery and so on and so forth. So they're allocated. So you don't ever have like a situation of being over-prescribed to a surgery. Or one surgery isn't over. doesn't have too many people and people can't get their appointments. And so it's a block structure. Mm. Each block was supposed to have mixed, mixed income families in the inner block. There's uh, shops underneath as well. And everything has its allocation and nothing gets like underserved or overserved. Um, and everything so basically, is, everything is within reach. Uh, everything you know, you is within reach and within capacity. That you need. Yeah, exactly. And so you don't yeah. get places which, have, which are being pushed for capacity, you don't get places which are under have under capacity. Is this all to assist that idea of, you know, um, being efficient, there are less traffic jams uh, because of this as well? This, people don't have to venture too far out to get the things that they need and it makes the city this, as a whole just more efficient? Yeah, I, th I think th there's that part of it. Oh, of course, yeah, exactly, because it's like, what, what issues do normal cities have? Okay, some, some areas don't have enough doctor surgeries for the population. Uh, population suddenly goes up because people are building towers in some areas, um, you know, and then you had a place which didn't have towers and now it has towers. And so the population has gone up by three times, but the facilities are the same. And so you put stress on the mm -hmm. facilities and all of this chaos that comes with bad planning or just normal planning. Yeah, they, they try and avoid that. But also from what I understand of modernist art, there was this element back then of trying to reimagine human beings, of, you know, trying to embrace this kind of like, um, this, this mechanization that was happening at the time and, and, and to, to see a future which was, which was egalitarian, right? Where everyone, mm. where we don't have these, uh, like, uh, stratified societies, we, we can, we can re, we can imagine a future where we distribute the resources in such a way that everyone is, has has same mm -hmm. access same which is really nice it didn't work out that way <laughs> at all is it really <laughs> it didn't work out that way at all because to do this you need to keep on building right you need to keep on building keep on building keep on building so you can maintain all of these all these blocks need to keep on replicating right mm. and not anyone can just build it right so so you can just all plan or so that didn't happen so, uh, population of people migrated, population increased, right? They only built originally 500,000 houses, space 500,000 people. Mm -hmm. Population went to over a million in the first two years. So, where's the other people living? Outside the planned city. And, um, and, and now the population is 3 million in this, and they're building more of these blocks. But who are the blocks for now? Those that can afford to live in the planned part of the city. Because it's limited uh, accommodation, and and so what are the what are, what are the the what's the areas outside of the planned city like? Are they well, are I, they I'm, like I'm, I'm just here. people going there and building their own stuff? Or oh, okay, yeah, okay. yeah. So so this is one of the things, right? So 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 the I don't want to get into the exact numbers, but just to say that if you want a tiny apartment, if you want an apartment the size of just this atrium. In the planned mm. city, in a good part of the planned mm. city, it will cost the same as renting this entire house over here. Mm. Right? 
And but but yeah. why is that? What's the appeal of of uh, living in the planned city over living in the outskirts where you can get a much larger house for the same price? I mean, I guess I guess so. When we when we were Airbnb in that part of town, it's it's this access, right? Like like I walked out my house and on the street, like just in front of me, was everything. And yeah, and I could just we'd walk out and we just have everything literally within a within two minutes of, of, of our place, pharmacies, this, that, restaurants, um, there was, there was in our, just in our immediate block, there was probably about 10 restaurants. And then two blocks behind mm. was another like 30. And so your, 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 and, and connectivity as well to a certain extent. Where we are now, so there's a lake which kind of defines Brasilia, so the whole plan for the city is north of the lake, the south of the lake now, where there's a lot more space. It's just empty space. And so people are buying up pieces of land here and building houses. Uh, and we're in one of those. Uh, as part of, I don't know, this, this is a huge piece of land where there are a lot of houses. It's almost like its own like neighborhood. Uh, of in and of itself, you know. Mm. Um, so yeah, that's the thing. So 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 what so so what is it? You need a car to get to a plant city. And okay, and um, it's still just twenty minutes. It's not big deal. But when it comes to property, I think these things make all the difference, right? One is a very contained yeah. space of like seven hundred thousand people, and so. Prices are very high. Prices are very high. Like Europeans, people from London, trying to live in the planned city, will uh, recognize the prices. Kind of. Okay. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Is it? Well, is the? I mean, hearing all of this, it seems to me like um, the the city might lack a little bit of charm because <laughs> of i don't know because it's like planned and everything and and you know almost uh, what the, the thing about these unplanned cities like london um and maybe many european cities is that because they're not planned they kind of just organically grow out they they kind of just had that's a part of the charm of it and usually i don't know this is just my image is that usually if you have these very planned cities um they they kind of lack that charm, but then again, you you did talk about that kind of architectural like uh, authority that um, many people had, or um, that the architects had probably allowed them to create that charm themselves. Uh, I just had to look up the definition of charm just just to think about delight greatly, the power quality giving delight or arousing admiration. <laughs> I, I, I think I think delight charm is. Pushing it for Brasilia, <laughs> like a long way. <laughs> yes, um, it's, it has other qualities I mean, of of of. Yeah. Maybe it can be fascinating because of the architecture, um, and, but you can't. Im- I mean, look, for the first two three days, both both myself and my wife felt completely lost. Mm. It doesn't have this quality of kind of grabbing you and making you feel like I know where. I-. This is one of the weird things you don't know where you are. It's like. It's like your sense of location in the city just disappears. Like, am I in the center? Am I on the edge? Where, what, what, where, where, where do I go? 
Like, you know, typically, mm. you know, like you're on the edge of the city, it's residential. You move to the center, you go to a center place, there's something about that which defines it. Like, oh, this is a Colosseum. Oh, this is Big Ben. Oh, this is the Tokyo mm. Tower. Like, I know where I am. You don't get that sense. We're in the middle of the city, and we felt like, because mm. there's like, high, there's highways. And next to the highways, there's like parks. And this, the parks are massive. And you just feel like you're outside the city, even though you're inside the city, and it's very disorienting. And it doesn't really capture you and your heart and your spirit. This is the thing, right? There's something about unplanned cities, that organic aspect, which, which comes from the human being, and the human being responds to it. Whereas these planned mm. ones comes from kind of like our intellectual side, our abstract, yeah. abstract, and then you live in that abstraction. And it's weird. It's, it's like, it's like, it's very futuristic. It has this very futuristic. It's a left, it's a left side, left sided brain city. Yeah. With, with the architecture right? in it. <laughs> with right sided yeah. brain architecture. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it is, it is odd. And then it does take a while. And it's like, it's like, can you grab the culture? Can you grab the spirit of the place? People say no because it's too young, not enough generations. Mm. I don't think that's the case. I think I think it's designed in such a way where you you know it's it's designed in such a way where you don't have congregation, you don't have spaces where people congregate because that causes traffic and it causes inequality because somebody can be in the place of congregation and they have an advantage of the person that doesn't, you know, like you do in London. If you're in the center where all the tourist attractions are, you have some advantage of the guys from the edge. Here it's all the same everywhere uh, on that planet. At least that was the original idea. And, and, and there's a bit of that, um, which, 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 which I don't think you'll ever get like a, a spirit of that. I've tried to grab the culture, I've tried to go to events and go here and there. It is not like Rio. It is not like Rio. In fact, mm. people from Rio, people from Sao Paulo, other parts don't even consider this Brazil. Uh, even though people from here obviously do consider themselves as <laughs> an integral yeah, part. Yeah, I could imagine. Yeah. You know? I mean, because you know, you, you said that the you, there's lots of restaurants everywhere, but were that really famous restaurant that's in um, uh, Chef's Table? Yes, uh, Sao Paulo. One, uh, Dom. Dom. Sao uh, Paulo. Yes, that's Sao Paulo. Uh, okay. So I mean, those those cities, obviously, you know, everyone knows about uh, Rio, uh, Sao Paulo. Yeah, those exactly. they've they're, they're more like a, I, I guess like organic they've got the kind of like a portuguese oh, kind of vibe or something they've got every vibe like i mean i don't know Sao Paulo, i know rio and i've been there a few times and you couldn't put more vibes in rio without you know like it's just maxed <laughs> out like yeah <laughs> it's like yeah, everything <laughs> like rio had this i remember just my last night so there was this um you say they're quite a nice place in Rio. Uh, you get these old colonial Portuguese houses, and they've got these bright colors, like reds and yellows. And we stayed in one. And at night, I was just swinging on a hammock and in this place, um, just outside my room. And I could hear from up the road, sambas playing. Sambas are a common place all, all week. That's a kind of music mm. where people just... It's kind of more than music. It's really a way people gather, and then they play samba music and, um, and, and, and sing and dance and, and, and they'll move as well. Uh, you have these very, very, these moments in real that you encounter that and you're completely quiet. It's like you become still and you're just immersed in this, in this 
mesmerizing thing that's happening. And then, so I could hear that while singing, singing on my hammock in this old building. And in front of me, I could see the some good location. You could see the so so the house is on the hill, really sort of steep hills. And from the literally from the edge of the house, it's almost a sheer drop. But there's gardens. <laughs> they they put their mm. gardens and stuff on there where they're growing crops. So they meant that I could see over the hill um, through it uh, to to the Christ statue, um, famous, wow. and, and it was lit up and vibes and 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 yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> this not in Brasilia, not in Brasilia. <laughs> People, but there still must be, you know, the the, the samba culture as well. I've been as well, looking, right? I, mean, I mean, that's just a natural Brazilian kind of. I'm not. I don't know anything about it, but I mean, I, you associate samba with Brazil, so you do. Like sure. I remember in yeah. Colombia, people people like most places, restaurants, bars you go to, people would salsa. Uh, maybe be doing salsa dancing, right? Yeah. So is that and and I would assume that that's probably quite. Um, um, you know, prevalent all over Colombia. So maybe you get yeah. the same thing wherever you are in Brazil. Yeah, yeah one would think so. The thing is, so <laughs> Colombia, you're right. Like, like, like Colombians are proud of their dance. Uh, Cali, Cali mm. is a place where, where salsa is an absolute, like all Colombians will recognize that Cali has a different level of mm. uh, intensity, tradition, passion, skill when it comes to salsa. But every city, everyone... Bar, I don't know. I haven't seen it so much in Medellin. It's more reggaeton there, but still, everyone takes part in this phenomenon called salsa in Colombia. They really do connect with it as a culture. Yeah, so they're almost as proud of their dancing as the English are proud of their dancing. <laughs> it's, it's almost, almost the same level. Yeah. In, in terms, what about Brazil? In, in terms of pride, uh, in terms of skill, I think. <laughs> in terms of reality. Um, Brazil, Brazil is an interesting one. And I'm, I'm too young, I'm too green here. To, I, I'll talk about it from two part aspects. One is just from the point of view of Brasilia, what's interesting is that people from all over Brazil come here. So you kind of get it like a grand tour of Brazil. If you go to a market in the, um, oh man, okay, okay, let me just navigate through these, these, these dots because I'm seeing, okay, some, even though it's a planned city, in the spaces between things, people do pop up markets, mm. Um, mm. which is interesting. In the old part of the plant city, it's full of ethnic restaurants. It's just full of, uh, it's, it's kind of strange. This is kind of full of, it seems like people have gotten a hold of it. And you do see, you do get this vibe from some parts of the old 1960s built um, residential areas. Where it, it does have these like lots of restaurants and and, and it, it has a certain vibe, but it's kind of strange because it's because because people have set themselves up organically between everything. Um, mm. So it's a very bit of like this weird kind of dystopian feeling where you've got like all the structures and the people between. So you do find these poems, and in those places you can quite quickly catch like a, a quick tour of Brazil in terms of its food and stuff like that and accents because 
everyone has congregated in, in, in Brasilia. And, and there is quite interesting and exciting. But in terms of like having this core Brasilia culture, I don't think it necessarily mm. exists because people who are coming here often are just coming here to work in a government position and they leave. Um, mm. and, and, and so you don't really have that aspect. And I've been looking for, I, I think, you know, obviously you can, I'm going to join a Samba um, uh, school. So are, are and most then, people in Brazil are basically expats, even within their own country. I'm green. It feels like that. Mm, okay. I don't know, but it feels like that. Um, okay. There are Brasilia people, but a lot of them also live just outside the city and commute in. Um, mm. So it's, 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 it's odd. The other thing, the interesting thing is, I messaged, so Colombia is no small country, right? Um, it's like yeah. Germany and France combined, in any case. I had messaged somebody to get something done here because it, on the website it said that they had two branches, Sao Paulo and Brasilia. So it turns out the Brazilian branches closed, only Sao Paulo branches open. And I said to them, don't worry about it. We're in two different cities. And they replied to me saying, we're not just in two different cities. We're in two different states. And in my mind, immediately that was like, yeah, okay, you're just saying the same thing in a different way. It's like, which is 1,400 kilometers apart. And I looked at it on a map of London to somewhere. It's London to Italy. This is like me calling up somebody in Italy saying, can, 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 can you do something? I was like, from London, right? It's an immense distance. It's an immense distance. And this is also why, you know, culture can change a lot. So while Samba is a big thing in mm. Rio and it can be their thing and it's a lot uh, of okay, first, yeah. this is miles mm. away. This is a whole other thing. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's like saying, you know, uh, Italy and uh, England are in the same same continent. Or how come you guys don't have just as good food as each other? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, then, and, and you might find a few Italians setting up restaurants in London and get a taste yeah. of it, just like that. Yeah, but it's it's, it's just mm. quite the same thing. And um, and and so okay. yeah, yeah, yeah that, that's the other interesting thing. But, but you, you said, you said, uh, oh, sorry, go on, go on, go on, because I'm going to change topic completely. No, I was just going to say, overall, overall, I like it uh, so far. Like, like it's very, very different. It took me a while to get my head around it, but you know, weather's great. Uh, mm. I'm discovering new things. It's, it is interesting. It doesn't feel like, I mean, it's no, it's not anything like Rio or anything like that. So it wasn't what I expected of Brazil at all. Um, yeah. And, and I do feel far away from all those things. Uh, but at the same time, like a couple of weeks, we should be flying to the coast and enjoying uh, the beach. Yeah. Oh, so and how long does that take? Just just like... A couple of yeah. hours. A couple of hours. <laughs> yeah, that's fine then. That's nice. It is far. Just a couple of hours away from Rio. A couple of hours away. <laughs> I know, from I know. It's far from Rio. But, you know, if it's... Uh, if it's, uh, if it's uh, I, I imagine it's not too expensive. Uh, I mean, yeah, I think flights just depends. It's not, it's not too bad. Um, but yeah, yeah. So I'll, I'll keep you posted. Basically, this is I would take this as my first. I think what's interesting about this is like it's somebody's first interactions with this very radically different city to anywhere else in the world. Mm. Um, mm. And uh, I mean, it has weather on its side. That's for sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. 
Oh, damn it. I've just remembered I was going to, I was going to open the podcast by saying, and I've already forgotten it. How are you in, Brazil, in Portuguese? Como vai? Como, como, como vai? Como vai? I'm just embarrassing myself now. <laughs> is this your attempt at speaking Portuguese? Yes. It's, it, it sounded How like Kampai. Yeah, it sounded like Japanese. <laughs> <laughs> so how, how's my Portuguese? Um, no, I mean, look. Essentially, that is where I was getting to, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, for me, it's improved. So I, I speak Spanish because I was living in Colombia. Um, Portuguese, in terms of its words has about 90 plus percent similarity to Spanish. Mm. The issue is, um, one, the same words, the, the, the most frequently used words are different. So you might have quite a lot of lexical kind of similarity, but in terms of spoken language, the verbs that are common, the stuff that's common in Portuguese is uncommon in Spanish. So it exists in Spanish, but you wouldn't use it as well. And also, you use the same words. In word. what sense? I mean, don't, don't you use the same verbs for every language almost? No, I mean, it's a bit like, like how, how do I say it? Like, like, okay, so in English, we have the word gracious, right? And we use yeah. it in a particular way. But gracious yeah. in Spanish is gracias, means thank you. But it's to say gracious, you know, it's the same word in, in a sense, it comes uh-huh. from the same root. Obligado in, 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 in Portuguese means obligated, as far as I understand, right? So you can see how this means, could mean thank you, obligated to you, thank you. Um, but oh, you okay. see how the same yeah. word that you can kind of glean the meaning, but yeah, it's used in a different way, different frequency. And, um, okay, yeah. Merci, Very well explained. mercy, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so yeah. on. Like, and so, so that's one part. And the other part is that the same words can be used in a different way. Like, as the other mm. day, so, Barata means means, uh, means cheap. I said that in a bit of an Indian accent. <laughs> Just uh, I was talking to my grandma before this. Um, means means uh, cheap in Spanish, but it means cockroach in Portuguese. So good luck with that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That could be taken very in the very wrong way. Yeah. <laughs> but I guess you probably won't call anyone cheap yet. I hope you haven't called anyone cheap no. yet in the Brasilia. Uh, I don't fancy. I don't fancy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so same words, because this makes it difficult. And then the big one, the big punch it can find is the pronunciation. Spanish is very efficient when it comes to um, it's, it's phonetic, right? So how it's written and how it's said, consistency. Portuguese mm. um, has more sounds. So even if it's written, a, mm. it's like English, even if it's written a certain way, it can have a different sound. And the actual sounds yeah. are more difficult. And, and when people speak, when initially people were speaking here, I couldn't make out the words for the first two weeks. Now I can. And, mm. and, and that's just my brain readjusting um, to a new set of sounds, but it is it is hard. It's the way Portuguese sounds is very. Um, don't know how to describe it, but it could be very hard. Like Spanish, 
and English have definite starts and ends to words. So mm-hmm. you can tell that a word was spoken, even if you don't know what it means. In Portuguese, mm-hmm. it can, that can be hard. And it's like mm-hmm. a sentence ends and it's just like, was that one word or was that a number of words? I can't <laughs> tell. And, and if, if you're trying to figure something out, that makes it difficult. Because if you're in a situation, you know, like there was a word spoken, I just don't know, I don't know what that is. You can start to make connections around it and figure out what that is mm. in real time. But if you can't okay. do that, it's like you become lost. So there was a big challenge in, 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 uh, for the first do, do you? I can't speak Portuguese. Do you reckon? I'm getting my lesson. I'm learning. Do you reckon a Portuguese person would have a tough time in Brazil? I don't know. I've I've, I've heard there's a when Brazilian Portuguese speakers go to Portugal, um, they're not understood by the Portuguese uh, in Portugal, and in Mm. part that's because it's 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 a different dialect, and in part that's because uh kind of the old world um arrogance like even brits have towards americans and so on you know like this is really the mm. origin of the language why you why are you even trying <laughs> to speak it um <laughs> i don't think british people do that to americans but uh maybe sometimes. Oh, definitely do. <laughs> yeah <laughs> definitely do. um uh, okay. Even though in America you have some, uh, like, like there, there are certain accents. Like there's one island in let me find this island. Island in I think it's Virginia that has English accent. Uh, Tanshia oh, Island, man. Virginia, is a tiny community in the Chiefs. She speak Bay between Virginia, the, the community's isolation that is residents speaking a dialect of 17th century England, or the modern communications reduce the appearance of that. So, so they sound like 17th century Cornish people, and they and, and, and they pride themselves in maintaining their culture from their forefathers, which means that well, they, 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 they do they, not want to they speak it. like come, come hither, thou, thou is. Now is <laughs> yeah, thine. So just YouTube it is the best thing I can say, and it's phenomenal. This happens a lot in all over the US, actually, and and even like some major mainstream accents, where where for us when we hear it now from the UK, it sounds like um, oh man, I don't, I, I I can't remember what it is exactly. Oh, oh, definitely, oh, definitely YouTube that. That sounds fascinating. But, okay. Yeah, they, they, you you see those like old US films or like. Once upon a time on a prairie or some little, little house on a prairie, and the way that they speak, it's like feels a bit like you know, um, yeah, overly ornamented. But actually, mm. that's just how English people people spoke back then, and they just maintained mm. it. So a lot of the things, even the pronunciation of Thames rather than Thames, is a more of an original pronunciation that's that's preserved in the US, but they got changed in the UK. Mm. So, so some of the stuff is actually, yeah, better actually, uh, more original. Mm. Uh, just to, yeah. But anyway, the point is, old world arrogance, right? It's like it's like there's the origin and then there's the yeah, you know, the imitators. It's just, just like that's 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 the perspective, right? From from yeah, well, I mean, that's something Europe. something we English, of course, of course, yes, we English Spanish, know very well, French, that very well, Portuguese, 
and then the whole new world goes yeah but screw you guys we're the majority speakers of this language <laughs> it's like mm. we define this language now like brazilians are 214 million they define portuguese mm-hmm. americans are three 300 million they define english and south american spanish even though there's many countries with many dialects you know it's the definite it's I, I mean, Spanish is actually different. They, they, they've maintained a good, strong linguistic, um, I think, mm. and literary culture well, that even sp- the Spanish um, appreciate. And just like Brits, just like Brits and the, and the Americans, you know. Um, yeah. 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 Mm. yeah. You, you also got the opportunity recently to um, have a taste of, uh, of uh, the motherland. You went to an Indian restaurant not too <laughs> yeah, long I did. ago. <laughs> I did. So I looked for my people. Was it good? Yeah, they're all from <laughs> Delhi. They're all from Delhi, so they're all yeah. like really good. I had chai and everything, and it was really, really good. Um, one of the guys I was living there, was, uh, who founded that restaurant, has actually been for 10 years. He married a Brazilian um, lady, and so he settled down mm. here. His brother came. Uh, they're, they're enjoying it. People are enjoying Indian food. It is a novelty here. Yeah? Uh, mm. And Indians are a novelty. Is it, is it quite rare to audio. get? Oh, yeah. Uh, really? In Brazilian. Apparently, in the okay, entire yeah, city, yeah. according to this uh, guys at this restaurant. And they would know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and now... now and the, now there's forty one. <laughs> now there's forty one. Like wow. Even though, even though you even though you probably go, well, I'm kind of English actually, but <laughs> oh, well, it depends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it still counts. Wonderful. This is a tangent, yeah. but the but the diaspora, uh, I think, is changing now. When we were, when I was younger, it was very much like mm-hmm. you're not you're you're yeah. It's very much like I didn't belong in the UK. I didn't belong in India. But now I think India is changing. And I think just because of the sheer number of people who live abroad and, um, and, and the government has opened its arms up to diaspora as well uh, in terms of like we mm-hmm. have certain opportunities in India. And so, and so whenever I've come across Indian recently, it doesn't really matter that I'm not okay. from, that I wasn't born there as long as, and dude, it's phenomenal. I was in a restaurant uh, in, oh, I was with my, Another guy from Canada, from South India, who's living in Colombia. Uh, mm. He moved over just the year before. Um, and the number of habits that he and I, I had in common, despite the fact that I wasn't born there and none of my family had been born there for 200 years, blew Diana away. She was like, you guys have... And even little things, like 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 he was with his Colombian wife, they like beans really, really thick. And Diana never got why I never make beans thick. And then, and then he mm. and his Colombian wife had the same problem. That she likes the beans thick and he likes it thin <laughs> and watery. It's just like these small things. Um, and then obviously religion and philosophies and all that you know, binding. But that's more it. Well, I mean... Yeah. I mean, even in 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 the UK, right? All my um, Indian friends, they every whenever you go to their house, it you, it's remarkable how how like you know they they still retain that 
Indian culture, right? Mm-hmm. It's 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 very very obvious and it's it's amazing as well. I remember mm-hmm. um, my 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 best friend basically uh, from when I was young. Like I always felt like a part of the part of the family because every time I go around there, it's almost like there's big family there all the time, right? <laughs> yeah. and everyone's coming and congregating, and they're all cooking loads of food and yeah and and wearing Indian clothing as well and yeah and I loved it I remember just like I was always just like eating so much like good food and everything and it's like okay this is this is obviously like Indian culture and it's, yeah it's, it's very much retained right despite like generations of uh of it in, in the UK yeah literally we, we can have family fly over from India and actually I've met I've had friends that have just been living in the UK but born in India and everything and they they come to these events and stuff as if it's just no different. In fact, sometimes they're surprised because just like the America thing I just explained, certain things are preserved because the second that you, mm. yeah, like separate, the, the idea for us is to preserve what we have. For India, it's to evolve what they have. Um, and so mm. there, there's this interesting thing where they, even for them, it's like, wow, this is really old school. Like, this is like what my grandparents did. We don't do this anymore. That's really nice. Um, anyway, mm. which is an interesting point, right? To, to bring it back to this, this topic in a nice way, because um, that's the cool thing about Colombian Latin culture is very similar like that, um, and mm. that's why we can all get on so well, uh, Indians and, and, and mm. Latinos and Latins. And in Brazil, okay, yeah, it's very much this way too. Family is important and con- coming together. But in Brazil, I've noticed that they're at least here. They love to do barbecues. Uh, they love like 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 <laughs> like you go to in a weekend. You go to the supermarket. Shelves are empty, especially any section that had wood in it, that had fuel in it, that had beers in it, that had meat, like a lot of beef. Um, it empties out because you know, everyone's doing a barbecue in the weekend. Uh, <laughs> so so let's 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 come to that point uh, yeah. uh in your in your house how many kitchens do you have <laughs> <laughs> That's actually a good point. <laughs> I, I, I don't get it but it's apparently um, well we have two kitchens and one kitchen is it's like I literally, I mean, literally two like you have the gas stove with the five hobs once and then Again, in <laughs> another section. <laughs> and but the second one, it has behind it a um, a chimney because you can do grilled food and so, and it's close, close to the garden. So again, it speaks to how important grilled food is and or barbecue, mm. that kind of stuff is in Brazilian culture. I mean, I guess so because... That's what the whole section is for. It's 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 it's, it's, to, it's to be able to serve everyone in the garden. Your barbecue, yeah. <laughs> and then there's a barbecue outside as well, a separate barbecue. Yeah, <laughs> which I don't. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. It blew my mind. I was like, but why? <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think I think if, once once we have some Brazilians coming around, and then they start to do their natural behavior here, start to make sense, like you know, because. This, mm. this, yeah, you know, yeah. So I'm quite yeah, curious. I guess so, yeah. You know how exactly that whole process works out. Like, yeah. Please, please explain to me what this inside barbecue is for, the outside barbecue is for. <laughs> yeah. Why? What you use this stove for? And 
yeah. I'm sure, yeah, they'll just come in and they'll just like take over and like, yeah, this, this, yeah it's this, just like this, if you wasn't this, there, this. they'd be confused. Like, wait, hold on, where's the second kitchen for the. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> what just imagine if you like turn that second kitchen into something completely different and they just like freak out. They come around like, what is going on? Like, yeah, yeah. How are we going to have the barbecue now? <laughs> Putting chili powder and strawberry juice or something. It's like, But what one final thing I want to ask quickly is that is the interesting Japanese uh, kind of like connection. Because I remember you said that there yeah, is some. Um, some of the supermarkets there have a kind of like Japanese feel about it. Um, um, but what's, what's that like? What's that about? There's, there's, there's a, so there's, um, for, for those who don't know, uh, I think Brazil has the second or first largest community of Japanese people outside of Japan. Um, you know, so it might be the US actually that has the most. I'm not sure. But it's a massive, mm. massive community. And I think they came early on in Brazil's development. And and you can see them everywhere. Like, you can see Japanese faces everywhere speaking Portuguese. Um, and you see these subtle influences on everything. Uh, from, um, and, and Arabic ones too, by the way. That's not one I want to come around to. Um, mm-hmm. But from... I mean, so you, sometimes it's this like literal, like you, you, you have like a pharmacy, it's called like Fujisan Pharmacy, and literally has like an image of like a guy on a bicycle, motorbike, but that looks very Japanese. If you look at Japan, you know exactly what I mean. Um, there's a way that that's drawn that they know where it comes from. Um, <laughs> uh, and it's called Fujisan Pharm- Pharm- Pharmacy, right? So it's like, okay, I mean, I'm not, I'm not putting things from thin air. And then, and then for me, I think I've seen it. Then beyond that, I think I've seen it. Mm. Right? So, um, like for example, in Japan, you see uh, wax molds of food everywhere mm. um, in front of yeah, restaurants. Yeah. <laughs> I don't see that in the UK. I don't see that in the US. I don't see it in Colombia. That's a very Japanese thing, yeah. Yeah, right. And maybe even Korean or like Asian thing. Um, Oh, yeah. Now, okay, yeah. You know, I don't know. Maybe it started in Japan and became an Asian. But you see, not sure. No, never been to Korean, Korea yet, but that would be quite interesting to see. Mm-hmm. It's not in Singapore. I think so. Oh, interesting. Okay, okay. But you see it. You see that here. Uh, mm. You know, um, which which I was just to me by surprise. I was like, huh. You go to the supermarket. The way it's organized. The way everything's. In ultra packaging, like you know, just so much packaging, you know, even a banana. Yeah. It's like that's not normal, guys. I know where you got that from. It's quite infuriating, isn't it? Like something that does not need to be packaged again, something is already in plastic packaging, put into another little plastic bag, and then put into your final carrier plastic bag. It's yeah. like, why? Why are you doing that? <laughs> that's, that's, yeah, so that extent is only in Japan. Here, here, yeah, this is enough of it for me to go. Wow, oh, that's that's unusual. Strikes me. Mm, um, okay, okay. So basically, it's like, like um, if you if you're well versed with Japanese culture, then then you will notice these things. Yeah. Okay, black and white sesame seeds, the seasonings, various restaurants. Uh, um, you know, just 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 
things everywhere strike you. There's, there's some other mm. bigger things recently that I, that I saw, but I can't remember them off the top of my head. Then there's Arabic culture that I didn't expect. Um, what was it? It was, in the, it was in the supermarket. There were some ingredients which were very much for Japanese. I haven't seen it. Anyway, Arabic culture too. So you have kibe, which is a certain kind of like fried food. And um, mm-hmm. you have kibe wheat in, in, the, in, in supermarkets. You have dates, but in a, you know, in a packaging that looks like it's from the Middle East and, and the presentation, I don't know. There's something to our presentation which tells you where something's from, but it's hard to put your finger on. Um, okay, and, you know, and, and certain foods, like um, there's, they actually call one of these, uh, uh, basically, you know, there's a lot of grilled food, grilled street food, and one of the items is is kofta or kafta. You know, they mm-hmm. literally have that name, and it's like, and it's like, you know, it's for me seeing it in the supermarket is quite a lot. Like to see it in the supermarket and go, wow! To the extent that a normal person knows what kibe wheat is, they're looking for it. You know, and is this something you've just seen in Brasilia, or you also see in San? Sao Paulo and I, I haven't. I would just an interesting question. I, I I've been to Rio. Uh, I haven't been to supermarkets in Rio. I was only there as like a tourist. Mm. But but I mean, obviously, the grilled food on the street and that is is is, is, is in common and and um, there was a dish, literally a dish that that was uh, I can't remember. But but I asked around. And I People were just quite open about the idea that, yeah, it's like, it's like obviously, it's like obviously there's been Arab traders here since time immemorial. There's been immigration here from Lebanon, especially mm. uh, since the beginning of Brazil, like or before. Like, why is this surprising to you, my friend? Like, you know, it's like, you know, when I ask the question, it's just people get confused as to why that would be surprising because Brazil is truly is a melting pot of, of all the major place in the world. Yeah, it seems like it. Yeah, Middle East, Asia, Dutch, Germans, you've got lots of German beers here. Um, you know, local indigenous cultures. So there was outside my window the other day, there was like some indigenous guy with a bow and arrow. And it's like, you certainly can't just walk around with a bow and arrow, like a big <laughs> fuck off bow and arrow. Like, like if I did that, I'd get arrested, I'm sure, because it's a weapon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, but, but you think because it, it's a like indigenous culture, it's allowed. Yeah, I think there must be some other rules for them. And 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 on the edge of where we were, do you were, know yeah. where he was hunting? No, I mean we we were on the edge of the city, like so we were very much in the city, uh, twenty minutes from the center. But it's also the edge, and you can see the savanna from from the window of the apartment. And I think there's communities there. And maybe some of them live very close to the edge, and they just come in. And because there's like um, there's there's quite large lizards uh, and stuff like that, and they might have been hunting, um, you know, borrowing mammals. That is so fascinating. Yeah. So there's like literally like indigenous communities on the outskirts of the city that just they'll wander in for whatever reason. With what are they wearing? He, no, I mean he was. 
he was wearing shorts and a t-shirt. <laughs> okay, okay, cool. <laughs> Sorry. See, in my mind, I thought like, you know, he just like... With it, it's, like, yeah, it's full naked, over. Except... Ex- <laughs> yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, shorts and Short t-shirts. Short t-shirts with a bow and arrow. With, 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 I mean, big, man. Like, like the, the, the bow was maybe like four feet. Uh, and the arrow yeah. was another wow. like, like large arrow. And it had like white thing at one end. And uh, so... Yeah, it was no joke. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm sure I'm not allowed to walk around with that thing um, without mm. being arrested. But uh, and, and he wasn't doing it for nothing. So, so mm. he always found him walking around. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, in that sense, it's this crazy melting pot. All these different Portuguese, obviously, it's a big influence. And um, food is kind of interesting too. Uh, there's some. They love cassava. Yeah, or yuca. Mm. It comes from Brazil. Mm. Cashew nuts also come from Brazil. And there's a lot of cashew fruits here. There's a lot of things we can talk yeah. about food wise. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I want to ask you like about the food as well and stuff, but uh, um, do we have enough time? I guess we do. I mean, I can, I can do a very brief thing with the food. Um, do, do, do you just, just, just do you enjoy it, the food? Are you finding it more interesting, that kind of food journey, than you did back in uh, Bogota, in Colombia? Or. Uh, so, in some ways, I mean, it's the same. In some, some ways, it's a similar kind of paradigm where you have like a lot of interesting food in Colombia, a lot of interesting food in certain states like Tolima, every state has its own mm. thing. At the same time, mm. you find these common foods um, like tamales and just like grilled meat with, 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 with a couple of carbs, which is going to be the same from Mexico all the way down to Argentina. And, and it's the same mm. kind of thing, right? So you have uh, here... The common thing. I mean, barbecue is, is, is big in Colombia as well, right? Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, it is. It is. It is for sure. People go down by, by, by the river. It's like a thing. It's a beautiful thing. Like, uh, mm. uh, just to chime back to memory and then, and then, and then complete this, um, little conversation we're having about food. I remember it was Easter. Was it Easter? It was Easter. And there's this river, uh, in the town nearby where my wife's grandmother lives. We actually did a podcast on that time. And it's a stunning river because it's completely crystal clear water rushing down, jungle either side. And it was Easter, so uh, people actually come back down to the river. And um, and and uh, we made a joke about it, right? Because the, the idea was that if you're, if you're, uh, what was it? If you eat fish, Oh yeah, you. you uh, I thought it was something with a, a cow. Yeah, if you, if, you, if, you, if you eat meat in that period, you like become a cow or something. It's like it's like a light-hearted yeah. um, thing. Obviously, yeah, yeah. don't seriously believe that. But um, but anyway, it's part of the tradition, and so they would eat fish, and they do it by the river, and it's like such a beautiful thing. Um, so barbecues have this um, making sancochos in Colombia. Yeah, I, I didn't <laughs> the whole culture. Okay, okay. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm learning. I'm, I'm trying to get myself into all the stuff, uh, the equivalents here, building up my community, getting to know people, Brazilians, so on and so forth. 
food-wise, yeah, let's just get back to that. Um, big differences, one, they have this thing called the farofa. Farofa is yucca or mandioca or cassava, all the same thing, it's a root vegetable. A flour, roasted with lard, and then they fill it with these different spices. And I'm completely fascinated by this because it seems like something that families pass down and it's different all around Brazil and um, had different spices in it, different um, uh, meats, and then all sorts of things like that, that create these variations. And so the rofa is something that, that is crunchy, it's dry, but it's something that I'm fascinated by. And it goes really well with this, uh, this they, 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 they call it melting yucca. So I figured out that they put in the pressure cooker and they cook it until it's almost falling apart. And I love this form of yucca and the combination of those two things. Yucca is is what again? Is a root vegetable that comes from this part of the world. Right? Um, okay, so it's like cassava. It's, it's the same as cassava. Or man, oh, sorry, man, okay. Yeah, right. it's just different names <laughs> okay. the same thing. And that rice, salad, grilled meat or whatever you want. Obviously, the, the beef culture is much, much, much bigger here like than I've ever seen anywhere else in the world. So many cuts of beef, so much beef knowledge. So just, just, just the quality you find in the variety you find through the market is second to none. Um, mm. So, so, so yeah, so, so that's kind of like one of the classic vibes um, that I'm finding interesting about the food here. Then obviously you go to certain states, especially as you go towards like the Amazon, like Para, and then you go to Amapá and all these places. Oh, and then you're talking about the whole world of discovery of food and ingredients that I just can't even imagine what they would be. Um, uh, they're not common. I'm not going to find them on the street here. But if you go there, then you will find these things, which I think is yeah, you know, um, it's a massive, massive country. So. You're gonna find. Mm. You're gonna find stuff. I think there's a lot but, more I mean, that, um, influence oh, okay. on those. But dishes, then, you know. Yeah. So, but then there's you know it's the melting pot as well, right? So there must be a, just a bigger variety of stuff as well, or or yeah, or they haven't really melted into one kind of cuisine. You just get you have the opportunity mm. to eat different types of cuisine without the. I mean, this 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 this, this idea of like melting uh, juca, uh, farofa, meat. I think that's something that's very Brazilian that you find all around the con country mm. in its different forms. But yeah, I don't think so. so. So you do find like, you know, like like from Bahia, there, there's different foods to Rio, different food to the mm. South. People can tell you all barbecuing is from the South. You have these dishes like mm. akaraje and these things, which is from Bahia. You can see the West African influence more so in mm. those parts of you know, the, the frying and all these kind of really rich foods versus another part, which is much more indigenous mm. and kind of very what we would struggle to find a reference point for kind of flavors. Um, yeah. Mixed with salted pork yeah. and salted beef and like classic flavors, <laughs> you know. It's, it's, it sounds amazing. It sounds like there's so many different varieties of, like of, of food that you can try, basically. And, yeah, and fruits. And then, and then yeah. Uh, that was it. Lastly, I was going to say, I remember going to Colombia last time, having my mind blown by the number of fruits yeah. that are available. Is that 
is that the same in Brazil? I mean, if you're asking somebody is, I think I think Colombia is um, yes and no, right? So in Colombia, mm. you have this, fun, this amazing phenomenon with the, the Caribbean climate, the Amazonian climate, mm. the mountains. So literally on one, so the country can produce every fruit that you can bloody imagine from cold climate mm. to hot climate, just on one hill to Caribbean to whatever. Colombia is a fruit wise, and it's volcanic soils. It's, it's a country that's hard to beat, in my opinion, for its mm. complete sheer variety. Brazil, of course, being a giant tropical country, has a lot of different kinds of fruits, mm. but they're all tropical fruits, pretty much. Mm. So, so that's the thing. Okay. And so they have many, many, many different kinds of unusual fruits that I've never even Tukuma, this, that, that I'm never, you can't even find a reference point to. Um, and the yeah. textures and the flavors are, there's many, many interesting fruits. But um, uh, yeah, but they all kind of fall into that um, tropical fruit bracket. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, there's this plenty. Do you find it easy in the supermarket? Mm. No. Can I find it in a specialist juice place? Yeah. And more in Bahia, mm. I think more in the Amazon. I don't know. I don't find so many things here in, in Brazil. But, but, but yeah, I mean, one, one, one juice that I had the other day was Kupuasu and um, cashew apple. So cashew apple, so everyone's familiar with the cashew nut, it actually is a nut that sits on the base of a fruit called a cashew. Yeah. You can't yeah. transport that thing without it breaking and going off, so it doesn't get transported. Um, but it tastes really really good it tastes tropical uh and a bit vegetal and mm. really really nice and and you what's the closest thing it tastes to would you say just think about tropical fruits right it's just like it, it mm. tastes of everything <laughs> at the same time it's like it tastes like an apple and yeah uh, amazing and then like a whole bunch of just this tropical kind of taste and yeah. mixed with um Kupuasu, which is the, which is a cousin of cacao, but you don't use the seed like in cacao. You use the flesh to make juices, and so you have this like white mm. chocolatey, acidic cashew apple. You, you get some really exotic things. I'm not complaining about the fruits. Mm. You get a lot of amazing fruits. I'm mm. just coming yeah. from Colombia. Mm, it, it is. It is another. Yeah, it's <laughs> like yeah. It's like. Yeah, mm. you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. the standard is really <laughs> Um Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, that's amazing. I didn't even know that you could have the cashew apple. I knew that you know the cashew nut grew. You know, mm -hmm. may, people probably um, maybe maybe uh, it's not known to a lot of people, but yeah, the cashew nut it's it's like this one individual nut that grows on a fruit. Basically, I didn't even know you could eat that fruit. It's so cool. Yeah, yeah, I did. I did. That's amazing. It's just in the supermarket, you just pick them up, make make juices. Um, Do you get the cashew nut with it as well? Yeah, at the bottom, which you can roast yourself. You can't eat it as it is though, because it's a little bit uh, poisonous of some sort. Yeah, yeah, you, toxic. Yeah, you have to roast it. Yeah, and this oh, is okay. why, by the way, to any you know uh, people who, who who go looking for raw cashew nuts, they just don't exist. So even in the shops in the UK where it says raw cashew, it's a lie. 
it can't be mm. because if it was raw, yeah, it'd be course. toxic. They're all raw. It's all cooked. Um, mm. So, so yeah, and so yeah, and, and but in Colombia, sorry, in Brazil, you can get raw cashew nut. Which you roast yourself. Yeah. 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 And but people have the knowledge there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there's another thing, by the way, <laughs> knowledge. So, juca um, mm. has two forms, bitter form and sweet form. The sweet form is what we mm. normally eat. You just boil it. Eat it. The bitter form is very toxic. Mm. You have to, uh, you have to um, ferment it, cook it over a long period of time, right? So, so you, these dishes like farofa, which I told you about, mm. where it comes from a bitter juca. With this big process okay. that, that that yeah people obviously are aware of that here but yeah if you not then you can give yourself cyanide poisoning <laughs> oh shit. yeah it's, it's it's bad if you if you don't know what you're doing with that um so <laughs> so yeah there's a lot of knowledge here fruits wise just to finish that um yeah i guess here in brazil when i was in bahia i saw a lot when i was in bahia i saw mm. a lot and I had, I, let's just put it this way, to, just to show you that there's no shortage of fruits. I had 14 different fruit juices in one sitting. Um, so there's no shortage. In Bahia. In, 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 yeah, in Bahia. And then I did a, something similar with 12 in Rio because they were the shop that was buying different parts from, from, from mm. So yeah, 14 different fruit juices in one place in Bahia. Um, and, and none of the standard ones that you like. Uh, if an English person went into a fruit juice I, bar in in London, no, you wouldn't. No, uh, uh, I can't even remember what the names were. Oh, I can't even remember the colours. Mm. Uh, like it was just completely different experience. Um, and as you were driving around, I could pick up various fruits. There's um. Okay, okay. So so there I'm again saying that's the experience of fruits here. But yeah, you can just imagine Colombia. Right? Uh, <laughs> and, and the other thing is there are interesting fruits all around here, actually, uh, just on the trees. So I don't know why, but they've planted a lot of fruit trees around town. Um, mm. So I can actually just, sometimes I go for a run and I just come home with my pockets full of like lemons and berries and stuff. <laughs> after going for a run it's just one fruit which grows on the stem of a tree it looks like a grape um, I, I knew it was edible so, so I, I do eat them but Deanna thinks that I'm going to kill myself because she's never seen it before and it just looks like one of those things that grows on a tree it's like what are you doing <laughs> but it's, it's like a dog how did you know it was edible because somebody it. told me about it and what it looks like and they said it grows on the stem of a tree and i was like that sounds like that <laughs> <laughs> that sounds very very risky <laughs> i mean that there could be so many different things you know there could be so many different things you're just like man it looks like it, i'll eat that <laughs> <laughs> i just aware there's fruit trees around town right so so um so it was very tasty very sweet like very like a much like a grape um yeah, it's good. Mm. It 
Awesome. So have I convinced you to come visit, Mike? That's the question. Um, well, yeah, I mean, I, I would definitely want to come visit, but the question is whether I want to come visit you. That's 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 a completely different thing. But uh, oh, I mean, definitely oh, come see the city, of course. Uh, yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't inviting you to. <laughs> oh, okay, all right, okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, Jeremy. definitely. Yeah. Uh, I want and I, I want to know uh, I want to know what the second kitchen is for definitely. As well. <laughs> we'll just get I, a load I of want, I want to, <laughs> Yeah, if you if you invite me, I would I want to see you master of the barbecue barbecue master of the second kitchen, the barbecue kitchen, knowing exactly what to do. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll picking all the all the fruits from the trees, explaining every single one. Oh, uh, the garden. Go bowing, bow. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I'll be with my bow squatting on my exactly. on, on, hunting. On, on the wall, pointing it at the birds in the tree next to us. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah>. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> How did you get all this uh, poultry without going to the market? But overall, <coughs> overall, I feel like we're concluding. So overall, I would say nature, weather, uh, Food, fruits, it's, it is a whole new world. Um, it's a whole big adventure. Uh, mm. The comparisons to, I guess, Colombia only because I just came from there, but really it, it stands it stands alone. And whilst Brasilia, I think most, even Brazilians would, would agree, isn't their most exciting city. It's still very fascinating, very interesting. And, and, and anyway, we're living mm. in the savannah at the moment, which, yeah, going back to nature, yeah. it's... it's, it's it's, it's, it's pretty epic. It's pretty epic. It's a pretty. It's an epic country. It's massive. Yeah. So many things. So many yeah. things explored. It, so yeah, yeah. Definitely. I'll 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 be seeing you there soon. Ooh, I didn't even invite <laughs> you. I should feel special or privileged. Well, I might I might bump into you when I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, nice one, man. But anyway. Thanks, thanks for, for thanks for listening, guys, mm-hmm. and see you again soon. Yeah, thanks everyone for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. And uh, yeah, any questions, or if you're Brazilian and you want to uh, feel offended tell- by all the wrong things that we've said, <laughs> yeah, write that in the comments and 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 let us know what that second kitchen how it works. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nice one. All right. See you later, guys. Bye.